Amen. Hey, well, it is good to see each and every one of you this morning. I hope you had a great week. And if you're joining us online, a special welcome to you. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And it really is an honor and a privilege every time I get to share with you. So uh, when I was younger and I started speaking on a regular basis, a very wise pastor once told me, he said, Michael, if you speak from your weaknesses, you'll never run out of material. If you speak from your weaknesses, you'll never run out of material. And I've taken his advice and I use it on a regular basis because I don't know about you, but I still have issues in my life. I still face things and sometimes I'm wondering, you know what? I'm getting older, and I would think by now, you know, I should be over this. I should be over this issue, or I should be over this situation, or this circumstance, or this thing that seems to keep tripping me up. I should be over this by now. Uh, But it seems like I just keep going back. And one of those things that I want us to talk about and discuss this morning is my tendency to look to my left and see what everyone else is doing, to look to my right and and see what everyone else is doing over here on my right and begin to compare myself to everyone else and and begin to ask myself the question, do you know, do do I really measure up? Am I okay? And and to determine how good I am or how, how great my family is or how good my marriage is by looking to my left and to my right and asking that question and, 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 and it really is an issue for me. And I've asked God, God, do, do I ever get over this? Does this ever stop? Does this merry-go-round of looking to my left and to my right, does it ever stop? And so I started asking some other people, hey, do you deal with this? Is this a struggle for you? Or is this just a Michael Escamilla thing? Or uh, is this just a Mexican thing? I mean, I have no idea. Like, really, it, what, what is it about me that wants to look to my left and my right all of the time? And... and And so I talked to people about it, and let me see if I can explain this correctly. When I compared my tendency to compare myself to other people, compared to everyone else's tendency to compare themselves with other people, I felt better about myself. Which is the problem to begin with in the first place, is this whole comparison trap. And and I don't know where it started with you. I know where it started with me. Um, I block out most of my elementary and junior high years. I've I've suppressed those memories. But I do remember high school. And and in my high schools, I went to two different high schools, one in Colorado Springs, another one in New Jersey. I went to these two extremely large high schools, graduated with hundreds and hundreds of other students. There were thousands of students in my school. And, And I started comparing myself to everyone else. And in school, I really wasn't that athletic, so I hated the athletes. I I really wasn't that smart, and so I hated the smart people. I I really wasn't that popular, so I hated all of the popular people. So it was really just me, myself, and I. We were in a small group together. Um, it, It was just us. And because I went to these massive schools, I I just thought to myself, you know what, I I can't compete with everybody else. I mean, look how large this school is. Look how big this is. There's no way that I can even compare or compete with everyone else. And and so I kept looking to my right and my left and asking myself the question, am I okay? Am I okay? And really, we, I think we all have a tendency, whether we live in this land or whether we, we visit this land, I call it the land of Ur. 
the land of Ur, and I've got a list of Ur's here, and it's, I want to be richer, skinnier, smarter, taller, prettier, happier, hipper, talented Ur. I just want some more Ur. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're okay, and you're good, and I like you and everything, but I want to go away from lunch. I want to go away from coffee with you. I want to lay my head on my pillow at night and say, you know what, they're good, they're good, but I'm Ur. I'm Ur. There's something about me. I have a little bit more Ur than they do. And isn't this true, church? We, we start dating, and so we want our boyfriends or our girlfriends to have a little Ur. Hey, you need to be a little Ur there and a little less Ur there. And, and if you could be a little Ur here or a little Ur there, right? And then it, it even goes into a bigger cycle. We get married, And we start looking at our husbands or our wives. And I hope that if we don't do anything else today that we'll at least try to stop lying to ourselves because we use this, oh, well, I just want my husband to reach his full potential. I just want my wife to reach her full potential. And so we start erring one another. And and honey, you need to err a little bit more there. And babe, you need to err a little less there. And and, and we start erring one another. And then what do we do? We have kids. Right? We have kids, and, and then we see what everyone else's kids are doing, how they're playing up in sports, how they're skipping a grade, how they're in honors, or, or they're accomplishing this, or they've been invited to this invitational, or they've been invited to this in- tournament, and we start erring our kids along, and, and we, we start lying to ourselves, don't we, church? Because we're telling our kids, well, I just want you to reach your full potential. I just want you to do better than I did but you're driving your kids crazy. You're driving your spouse crazy because you're pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And the issue's really not even about your kids. It's not even really about your wife, is it? It's about what other people think about you. Am I a good enough parent? Am am I a good enough husband? Do do I look okay? Do I live in the right place in town? Do I drive the right things? And and we just keep erring and erring and erring others on. And there's some of you who are past this. When I said I hated athletes or I hated smart people or I hated the cool people, you're like, Michael, don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. Hater's gonna hate, 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 hate. (laughs) Right? And you said, don't be a hater, but... But the real issue is, is when you look in the mirror at night, you know it's, it's not her fault that she's prettier than you or his fault that he's wealthier than you or it's not their kid's fault that their kids are smarter than your kids. It's really not their fault. But when you look in the mirror, you hate you, don't you? You don't like who you are. And, and maybe you look down on yourself, which, which that's not the place to be either. And so it's caused anxiety, or it's caused depression, or it's caused loneliness. Because you may never live in that neighborhood. You may never drive that car. You may not have that much financial margin. And you just don't like you. And then there's another category. We don't want to be richer. We want to be the est, right? We want to be richest. We want to be smartest, healthiest, retweetedest. We we want when people look at us, we we want them to put us in a totally different category than everyone else. And it's really just gross, isn't it? I mean, if if you don't think there's sin in the world, just think about the, the conversations that you have with yourself when no one else 
is around, when no one else is listening. It's really just, it's just gross because we look to our left and people are better than us. We look to our right and, and we don't seem to measure up and we're somewhere in between. And it's really just a trap. It's a comparison trap. When we have the tendency to compare ourselves to the people on our right, to compare ourselves to the people on our left, it, it really is just a trap. And so my hope today is, is that as we're here, as we begin to talk about these things, as we begin to discuss this, that we would begin to come to the understanding that I don't want to live in the land of Ur anymore. I don't want to live in the land of Ur. I don't want to live in this trap where I'm always comparing myself to someone else. So if you get distracted this morning, I know Pastor Dan's not here. If you fall asleep, if you start counting the lights in the ceiling, if your electricity goes out before I'm done, there's really just a bottom line. Here, here's the bottom line that I want you to understand. If you have to leave early, if your kid's number comes up on the screen and you can't hear the rest of the message, this is it. This is it in a nutshell. And it's just this. There's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. You can't win by comparing yourself to someone else. It, it doesn't matter how often you look to your left, it doesn't matter how often you look to your right, there is no win, there's no finish line, there's no final satisfaction. If people are better than you, it doesn't help. If people are less good than you, it doesn't help. There's no win when you're comparing yourself to everyone else around you. And, and it really is dangerous, isn't it? Because there's some of you in the room today, and you're in financial debt because of some financial decisions because you were trying to keep up with fill in the blank. And you might blame the economy, you might blame it that you lost your job, you might blame, blame it on financial debt that you accrued from somewhere else, but really, at the bottom line, if you go way back far enough, it's just... You, you kept spending money. You're living in places. You're wearing things. You're driving things that you couldn't afford, and, and it's caused financial debt in your life. For some of you, there's broken relationships in your family. There's broken relationships with people that you were once friends with because you kept comparing where they were to where you were, and you kept trying to one-up each other or trying to keep up with each other, and it's caused these huge divides in your life, these huge walls. Some of you have broken relationships with your parents or with your kids because of this. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. In fact, it's so dangerous, two of the gospel writers in the New Testament, they tell us this, that when the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, when they handed Jesus over to Pilate, Pilate came to understand, you know why they're handing him over to me? They're jealous. They're envious. They're comparing themselves to Jesus, and Jesus has something that they'll never have. He has the crowds. Hundreds and thousands of people would follow Jesus every day, would walk for miles and miles just to hear Jesus talk. And so they handed him over to Pilate to be crucified and to be killed on a cross. So as I've prayed and as I've asked God, God, am I ever going to get over this? And I look in the scripture, it always amazes me how the Bible just opens up and it has wisdom and knowledge and insight and understanding. And, and, and so I, I look to scripture and, and we're going to be looking 
in, in the book of Ecclesiastes this morning. Now, can I tell you something? If you're new to the Bible, if you don't believe in the whole Jesus thing, if you're new to church and you're still wondering if there's a personal God and, and, and if he really does love you and really care about you and maybe someone forced you to come here this morning, maybe they promised you lunch or maybe they said there's a lot of pretty women there, you're gonna find someone to be with or I don't know how they got you to church this morning, okay? But maybe you're a skeptic, but can I just give you permission? Did you know something? You don't have to be a Christian to read the Bible. Did you know that? Because, and you don't even have to believe the Bible is true in order to read it. In fact, you don't read anything because you think it's true. You get the newspaper, right, every day? You, you don't read it because it's true, right? You read it to find out if you think it's true or not. So if you're a skeptic, it's okay for you to read the Bible. If you're an agnostic, if you're an atheist, wherever you find yourself on your spiritual journey, I just want to give you permission. It's okay to read the Bible even if you don't believe it, even if you're not a Christian. Don't tell anyone I said that, but even if you're not a Christian, it's okay to, that's a joke, okay? All right, so uh, it's, it's okay for you to read the Bible. And we're going to be looking in the Old Testament. The Bible's broken up into two testaments the Old Testament and the New Testament. All right, we're gonna be in the Old Testament in this book of Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. If you're still in Job, keep flipping, okay? If you hit Isaiah or Jeremiah, rewind a little bit. All right, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter four. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world, the, one of the wisest men to ever live on this planet, he has this insight and this wisdom into this idea of us getting trapped into this comparison trap. All right, Solomon, and, and, we, and you might be thinking, well, why should I listen to Solomon, okay? Solomon was one of the wisest men during his time, okay? One of the wealthiest men to ever live during his time, all right? His wives were prettier than your wife, all right? He, he had money and wealth and wisdom. Kings and queens and world leaders, they would come and ask him questions and get his wisdom and understanding, and so Solomon writes over 3,000 years ago to us, and he says, this is what I found to be true about comparing ourselves to one another. Are you guys ready? All right, so here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. This is what Solomon said. And I saw that all toil, everybody say all, all toil and achievement, all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. He, he says, hey, I, I've been watching people. I'm a student of human behavior. And, and what I found out is what drives people to achievement, what drives people to continue to pursue and pursue and pursue and work and work is their envy, is they're constantly looking to their left. They're constantly looking to their right and they're wondering, am I okay? Do I measure up? And this was 3,000 years ago, church. It makes me feel better about my issues. This has been going on for a long, long time. And this is what Solomon says. He says he saw people determining based on determining whether or not they were okay based on where everybody else was and what everyone else was doing. Am I okay? Look to your left, look to your right. I'm okay. Am I okay? Look to your left and your right. I'm not okay. Is my wife okay? Are my kids okay? They're not okay. He, he says, I saw everyone, all toil, all achievement springs from everyone looking to their right or to their left. And he doesn't stop there. Listen to what he says. This too 
is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Hey, Solomon, what do you think about this comparison idea and looking to our left and to our right? It's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Well, Solomon, you really can't catch the wind exactly. There's no finish line. There's no final satisfaction. There's no peace. There's no tranquility if you're always looking to your left and to your right. To which some of you, especially maybe some of you men, are saying, well, then am I just supposed to sit on my hands? Am I just supposed to fold my arms and not do anything and not try? Solomon, the wisest man in the world, this is what he says. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Solomon's saying, you know what? I'm not saying don't be ambitious. I'm not saying don't work hard. Have you seen my temple? I'm Solomon. Have you seen my gardens? I'm Solomon. I've got 300 and something wives and 600 and something concubines. I'm a busy man. I've gotten around a little bit, okay? I'm Solomon. I've gotten more gold than Fort Knox. I'm Solomon. So I'm not saying be lazy. I'm not saying just sit on your hands. I'm not saying don't be ambitious. I'm not saying go go for success or go for something. I'm not saying that at all. Fools fold their hands and come to ruin. And this word ruin in the Hebrews, this idea of fools will self destruct. If you're lazy, If you're just passive, if you never do anything, you're eventually going to ruin yourself. All right, Solomon, you got us. So what are you saying then? And this part, this next scripture that I'm about to read to you, if you've ever thought about memorizing scripture, if you ever thought about putting a a little verse on your note card and reading it every day, this is a great place to start. This is what he says. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful, and the Hebrew here is so rich, better one handful, and what Solomon is really saying is this, it's better to have one hand like this and you allow God to put in and to take out whatever he wants than for you to be hanging on to everything that you have like this and never finding any tranquility, never finding any peace. He says this, this is better. This with peace, this with tranquility, this with contentment, this is better. And this morning, I wanted to illustrate this for you, so I've asked my, my brother-in-law to, to come up. His name's Chris. He's him and his wife, my wife's sister. Hey, did you guys know my wife is a twin? All right. Some of you still haven't figured that out yet. And so you'll pass her sister, Janelle, in the hallway when they're visiting, and you're like, hey, Linnell. And Janelle's like, because she doesn't know you're talking to her. And then you're like, man, Linnell is rude. But she's really not rude, and neither is Janelle. And we've had the same experience when we go and visit them at their church. But this is my brother-in-law, Chris, and, and I've asked him to help me illustrate this this morning. And, and it's just simply this, that the, this is going to represent our life, okay? So we have education. Chris, you can hold that in one hand. You have income. You have a job. Um, let me make sure I've got this right. Body image, maybe you work out, okay, so that's a good thing. That's nice to have. College, maybe you have a college degree. Clothes, you have clothes. 
everybody has to have a phone. Even my 15-year-old daughter has to have a phone, okay? So you have a house that you live in or apartment, a television. Maybe you have a TV. Maybe you have a car, all right? So maybe you go on vacation once in a while. We took a vacation to Turner Falls, Oklahoma this weekend or this past week. You have a job, hopefully. I'm praying for you. Maybe some of you are praying for this. You have a wife, all right? So you're praying. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And all the single men said... All right, there you go. Good, okay. And, and then maybe you have kids, all right? So, so Chris is going to hold these in both of his hands, all right? He's going to split them up, divide them there. And then what we're going to do is this fan is going to represent chasing after the wind, okay? Because he, he has peace right now. He has tranquility. God's blessed him with some stuff. God's blessed him with a wife. God's blessed him with the family. God's blessed him with the job. God's blessed him with kids. All of those things. And that's great and that's good. But, but then, after, after we get those things in our hands, then we start looking to our left and to our right. And I'm going to slowly put these here in front of Chris. And he's going to try to catch them while still hanging on to these things. All right? So here we go, Chris. If you can help me here. You ready? There you go. Go ahead. You're going to have to move up a little bit. Go ahead and catch that one. There you go. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going there. All right. There you go. Let me see if I can get these. Are you guys getting it? This is a chasing after. You guys give Chris a hand. You can just throw those down here. Thank you, Chris. Will you just say this verse with me really quick? They're going to put it back up on the screen. Better one handful with tranquility. Let's say that together. Better one handful. If you're joining us online, I know it's weird saying this in your computer at home, but let's all say it together one more time. Better one handful with tranquility. Solomon says it's meaningless it's meaningless if if we have our hands full and, and we're gripping and we're grabbing and we're grabbing and we're grabbing and we're hoping it and we have everything and then we get two hands full and, and then what are we hoping for oh man i wish i had a third hand I, I wish i had a third hand and i could try to grab something else and solomon says it's meaningless it's meaningless it's meaningless it's chasing after the wind Better one handful with tranquility. Now, do, do you believe that? Well, of course, Michael, I believe that. I'm in church on Sunday morning. It's in the Bible. I believe it. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you believe that? Monday through Saturday, do you believe that? When there's another job promotion do you believe that? When, when there's something else for your kids to accomplish, do you believe that? When you're, once again, pointing something out to your wife, do you really, really believe that? Better one handful with tranquility than chasing after the wind? Do you believe that? See, church, I think this would change and transform our lives if we could stop looking to our left and to our right. But Solomon doesn't stop there. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 7. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. I love Solomon. He, he's like, hey, come in, listen to my sermon today. I want to talk about some meaningless things. But even Solomon can make meaningless things powerful and life transforming. 
There was a man all alone. Now, we don't know if this is a friend of Solomon's. We don't know if this is a category of people. We don't know if Solomon's telling us a parable. But there was a man who was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Now, what that means is 3,000 years ago, men couldn't leave their wealth. They couldn't leave their homes. They couldn't leave their property. They couldn't leave their possessions to a woman. 3,000 years ago, they couldn't do that. Now they can. And that's great, but then they couldn't. And so Solomon's saying he doesn't have a brother, he doesn't have a cousin, he doesn't have a son, he doesn't have anyone he can leave something to. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Now Solomon's saying, hey, there's this guy, or there's this category of people, and all they ever do is work, 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 let me see you now to work, work. No? Okay. Sorry, again, I'm trying to sing, and I never work, 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 works. All right, anyway, he says all they ever do is work. All they ever do is toil. All they ever do is go after the next deal, go after the next thing. He says they're only working. And then they ask this incredible question, for whom am I toiling? He asks, why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? He says there's this person or there's this category of people and, and they're, they're always constantly working. They're always constantly going. They're always constantly pursuing. And he says, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Who am I trying to impress? Why am I always looking to my left? Why am I always looking to my right? Who am I trying to please? And I got this wife. I've got this family. I've got this house. I've got this job. I've got all of this stuff I've leveraged my whole life for and I'm not even really enjoying it i don't ever pause and take a sabbath i don't ever pause and take a vacation i don't ever pause and take a breath i'm just going and going and going why am i doing this solomon says this too is meaningless it's a miserable business <laughs> this too is meaningless it's a miserable business because Solomon says it doesn't matter what's in your hands. It doesn't matter what your kids accomplish. It doesn't matter what your wife looks like. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you live. If all you're ever doing is going, 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 working, 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 achieving, 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 toiling, 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 and you're never even really enjoying what God has blessed you with, Solomon says it's meaningless. It's a miserable, miserable business. There's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. And all of us, church, we all have a mirror, don't we? You know what? I've met old people who have successful families. I've met young people who have successful families. I've met older people who have incredible jobs and wealth. I've met younger people who are incredibly successful. And regardless if they're old or young, regardless if they're wealthy or not wealthy, regardless if their family's great or not great, all of us are looking for a mirror to tell us we're okay. So who, I want you to ask yourself this question, who or what are you looking to to tell you you're okay? Is it your parents? You're still trying to please your mom and dad? Is it your industry? Is it how many zeros are on your paycheck? 
Is it where you live? Is, is it what your kids do? Is it your GPA students? Is it your SAT score? Is it what school you get accepted into? Who or what are you looking to to tell you you're okay? Who is it? Because we all have a mirror. We all have something that we're looking to to tell us we're okay. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world, says if you're always looking to your left and to your right, you're never going to be content. You're never going to enjoy your life. You're never going to have tranquility. You're never going to have peace. So who or what are you looking to to tell you you're okay? And Solomon, wisest man in the world, one of the wealthiest men to ever live, says, I've been there. I've done that. I bought the t-shirt. And I'm telling you, it's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And and so I just have a couple of questions for you. And we're going to be out extremely, extremely early I mean, we're getting, you're going to beat everyone else to the restaurant today, okay? It's, it's going to be great, all right? But before I let you out early, okay, I just have a couple of questions. And, and these questions are, man, I wish he hadn't asked us those questions. Man, I wish Pastor Dan was here questions. Man, I wonder if Pastor Michael will be working here next week questions. I mean, these are the type of questions that I want to ask you. Because we all self-deceive, don't we? We all deceive ourselves to thinking, well, that's not me. That's for someone else. I can't wait to buy this DVD or play this on, uh, on Facebook and share it with somebody else because so-and-so really needs to hear this. We always point to someone, man, someone else really needs to hear this. And I'm the best at self-deception because I'm the pastor and I know all the Bible verses and I know all the books of the Bible and I know I, I'm, I deceive myself. I can justify all of my actions and say, yeah, that really is for Pastor Brent, not for me. I really, I really can say that all the time with every single sermon, right? I mean, I, I can do that. I can deceive myself into saying, that's for someone else. That's not for me. And so I want to ask you these questions and they might make you really uncomfortable, And some of you, I know, especially you men, you've already been arguing with me in your head. You're like, Michael, when you said one hand with tranquility, I thought, loser. When when you said one handful with tranquility, I thought, who needs tranquility? When, When you said one handful with tranquility, I thought, I could never just live with one hand. And what I want you to understand is I'm not talking about not working hard. I'm not talking about being less ambitious. We've heard from Solomon I'm sorry to pop your bubble. We're probably not going to be talking about you and your accomplishments 3,000 years from now, okay? I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that. But we're still talking about Solomon or even Jesus, right? His earthly ministries were about three and a half years. Some of you have been working 40 years for a watch, okay? What have you been doing with your life? Right? Jesus accomplished everything in three and a half years, and people kept asking him, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? He would always answer, the will of my Father Hey, Jesus, did you hear what they said over there about you? Do you know who's baptizing over there? What are you going to do about it, Jesus? The will of my Father. Hey, Jesus, what do, you, do you really think you can accomplish everything you're supposed to accomplish by just doing the will of your Father? We'll see. We'll see. So Solomon, Jesus, these men that we're still talking about thousands and thousands of years later, men, I'm not saying don't be ambitious. I'm just saying this, this is better than this. This is better than this. So the first question is is just simply this. Are you exhausted? Are you exhausted 
from trying to keep up with fill in the blank? Are, are you tired from just running and running and running and going and going and going and there's another appointment and there's another calendar thing and, and there's another thing and there's another phone call and there's another email? Are you tired from trying to keep up with? Because, listen, if we lived with Charles Ingalls on Little House on the Prairie, we would be so content, wouldn't we? If we just had to go to town once a week for our supplies and we lived on a farm and there was no internet, we would be so happy. But it's awareness that drives discontentment, isn't it? It's awareness that drives discontentment, and awareness is not going away, church. So are you exhausted from trying to keep up with whoever it is you're trying to keep up with? What about this one? Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Because you have eight and a half foot ceilings and your neighbor has ten and a half foot ceilings and now you feel like you got a duck every time you go in your house because the ceilings are so low. They're only eight and a half feet. Man, this is, these ceilings are so low. <laughs> right? Or, or you, you were going to close out the summer with your vacation to Corpus Christi, and you're like, woohoo, we're going to Corpus Christi. And you were excited about Corpus Christi until you got on Facebook and you saw your friend is going to Hawaii to close out their summer vacation. And now you're like, God, I hate my life. Why am I going to Corpus Christi, God? Why do they get to go to Hawaii? I want to go to the islands of Hawaii. Lord, I want to sway with the palm trees. Jesus, send me to Hawaii. Right? Or you, you were so focused on your forward focus, weren't you? I mean, you were saying, you know what, I don't have to bum a ride anymore. I don't have to take the bus. I don't have to walk anywhere. Jesus, thank you. I am focused on my Ford Focus. Until you got on Instagram and you saw your coworker got a Ford F-150 Texas edition. What is up with Texas? You guys have additions to vehicles. We do not have Illinois additions or other state additions, but Texas has their own addition to trucks. What is happening? And you're like, God, why have you forsaken me and given me this Ford Focus? God, my coworker, they don't even go to church. They don't even love Jesus. Where are you, God? Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have. And church, I'm not against Facebook, I'm not against Snapchat, I'm not against Instagram, I'm not against social media. I'm probably gonna be on social media after this service today, so it's okay. All right? But do you guys remember the old fairy tale? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them And now I think it's mirror, mirror on Facebook. Tell me how I should really look. Mirror, mirror on Instagram. Tell me who I really am. All day, every day, scrolling, scrolling. 
eating dinner. In church. Preach, Pastor Dan. Like it, like it, like it, like it. All the time. Church, who or what are you looking to to be your mirror? Is it what everyone else is doing? Because we just keep comparing and comparing and comparing and comparing. And if you allowed what God's blessed you with to cause you to not enjoy what God has blessed you with, what other people are doing, where they're going, what they have, what God has blessed them with, are you allowing what other people have to cause you not to enjoy what God has given you to enjoy? Last couple of questions. Do you enjoy your kids? Do you enjoy your kids? This is hitting me right in the face. Do you enjoy your kids? Or are you always pushing them and pushing them and pushing them to something else? And you're driving your kids crazy. And church, do you know what? There's couples in this church, they wish they could have kids. They wish they could have your kids, but they can't. Did you ever stop to think about that? I, I never thought about that, Michael. You should think about that. Because the issue isn't your kid's GPA. The issue isn't where they're playing sports at. The issue isn't what college they're going to. The issue isn't what job they have. The issue isn't if they're in the A group, the B group, or the C group. That's not the issue. The issue is they're your kids. Can you enjoy them? Can you pick them up and look them in the face and say, I love you and I'm proud of you regardless of what you accomplish? Do you enjoy your kids or are you driving them crazy? Are you enjoying your husband or your wife? Or are you just constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and nagging and nagging and nagging and, and just arguing and arguing and arguing and comparing and comparing and comparing? Or do you actually enjoy them? Isn't this dangerous, church? This, this is a dangerous, dangerous thing. This last question, it, it, it makes me sick. It really does. Who would you secretly enjoy seeing fail? Who would you secretly enjoy seeing fail? And, and you can't say that to their face, but, but you, you see their marriage hits a bump in the road, and, and their life seems so wrinkle-free, it seems so perfect. I mean, their car's never even dirty, right? And, and that's how perfect their life is. But, but then their marriage hits a bump in the road, or their kids hit a bump in the road. And, and, and you, when they call you and they're asking you to pray with them, I mean, you can't say this out loud, but there's something deep down inside of you that, that's actually relieved. There's something deep down inside of you that actually is glad that something bad has happened because, well, I only have two handfuls, but at least they lost some of theirs. What, what is that? It, it's so dangerous, church. Who, who is it in your life that you would secretly enjoy just seeing a bump in the road or, or seeing them fail to some degree because... It just seems like everything always goes right for them. Church, here's the bottom line. There's no win in comparison. There's no win. And what if we could learn to live like this with our families, in our marriages, in our careers, in our academic pursuits, in our sports, athletics, in all of those things? What if we could learn to be content here. 
and say, God, I'm not going to look to my right. I'm not going to look to my left. I'm I'm not going to keep chasing after the wind. I'm going to be okay right here, right now. There's no wind in comparison. Pastor Brent, if you guys, if you from the worship team want to come back. Church, this, this is a, it's an extremely spiritual issue. It really is. If you're a Christian, it's an extremely spiritual issue. Because you can't really say that you love someone and you can't really say that you love your brother or sister or husband or wife or kids as yourself. Remember the greatest commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You really can't love someone if inside you're hoping that they secretly fail or if if all you ever do is push, 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 and drive, 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 and and challenge and challenge and challenge them all the time, and, and you're always comparing. There's always something else to go after. You can't really love someone when that's all you're ever doing. And so what if we, what if we as a church, what if we as Christians in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, what if we decided, I'm going to stop looking to my left and I'm going to stop looking to my right? Imagine what that could do in your workplaces. Imagine what it could do in your family. Imagine what it could do in your school. Imagine what it could do in your sorority or your fraternity. Imagine what God could do if we decided to live here instead of here. Would you just bow your heads with me just for a moment? And I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I do just want you to respond in some way. And I know that me praying this prayer over you is not going to change your situation and it's not going to change your circumstance. But maybe we can start looking to God's word. Maybe we can start looking to our heavenly father as our mirror instead of looking to our left and to our right. And I just want to ask you this simple question and, and you can respond by lifting up your hand and then putting it right back down. And it's just simply this. You're just saying, Pastor Michael, will you pray for me? Because I do find myself comparing myself to those around me. You can slip your hand right up and then, thank you, put them right back down. Will you pray for me, Pastor Michael? Because I want to live with tranquility. I want to live with peace. Thank you. I want to live outside of the land of Ur. I don't want to be in a trap of comparison any longer. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for preserving this text for over 3,000 years. It's been sitting there on our phone, on our bookshelf, on our nightstand. And now, Heavenly Father, there's probably not a single one of us in this place who wouldn't hope or pray for more tranquility, for more peace in our lives. So, Father, would you please help us to stop looking what everyone else is doing, what everyone else's kids are doing, what everybody else around us is doing, and would you bring us to this amazing, amazing place of peace and tranquility where we actually love, where we actually celebrate, where we actually mourn with those who mourn. God, help us to get out of the race and the trap of comparison. 
And God, I think our homes will be stronger. Our families will be better. God, our marriages would be better. Bring us to that place where we can be content with one hand and not always looking around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.